Auburn family, and welcome back to another episode of Page 8 Podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Kristen Carr, and man, have we got a special episode for y'all today. This week is going to look a little bit different from the bye week, um, and I'm so excited to tell you that we were able to get an exclusive interview with Auburn volleyball coach Rick Crouch, and I had the amazing opportunity to hear from him about his team and all the highs and lows so far this season. Um, I hope you guys enjoy and take a listen. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for The Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Um, no so I just wanted to ask you, um, coming into this season, um, we I interviewed you in August, and um that was like a really, really fun conversation. And I want to ask you as a coach, what's been the most satisfying or exciting thing um, that's happened for you guys this season? Oh gosh. The most exciting or satisfying. <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if it's any one event, um, you know, there's some wins that stick out, you know, beating Alabama twice, you know, the rival, uh, especially that second day when we really kind of handled them three zero, uh, was a big one. Um, you know, first big road win in conference Georgia this last week was nice. Uh, so some of the wins stick out, but, um, I don't know, the probably the most satisfying is, is just the kind of every week there's, a, it's clear we we're getting better. And we can see that on the inside pretty well. And so can the players and, um, and it's showing up on the outside too, with some wins, but um, we're just every week. It's fun to look at the video from the matches and see like, Hey, we did not have this thing in place two weeks ago and like, look how much better it is. And that's been kind of continuous throughout the season, regardless of the wins and losses. And um, that's always the most, that's really always the most satisfying for me. Are we getting better every single week? And um, this team is, it's pretty exciting. And, uh, and so that piece is satisfying the kind of continuous growth, but the other one is probably the recognition for individual players. We've had five sec awards. Um, we, Rebecca Rath had two offensive player of the week awards. Um, they might've been, I don't remember Taylor, maybe you can tell me this. They might, I don't know if they were consecutive weeks. I don't think so. Not Rebecca Rath. Um, but she had two Liz rich just got one this last week. Bella has gotten one, um, for defensive player of the week and Tatum Shipes has got one also for defensive player of the week. Um, actually Bella got two, right? Taylor. Yeah. So we've had six total. So um, Taylor can tell us the history here, like what kind of records that breaks, but I think it breaks some. Um, and uh, seeing those players win those awards um, is really, really neat to see the recognition. And it's not the same player every week, you know, four different players doing different things. Yeah, that has been really, really cool to see. Really, really neat. Yeah. And back in August, you spoke about leadership and you know, some of those players that you just mentioned that got some of those SEC honors, you know, you mentioned Bella, you mentioned um, Rebecca and Liz and um, how have their leadership skills um, affected the team's performance this year? 
Uh, well, they're they're all a little different, you know, um, uh, and all have contributed in really important ways. Liz is really consistently Liz, which is pretty awesome. You know, that, that may sound like a throwaway line. It's it's not. You, you have it's hard to be consistently high, you know, energy, you know, and just, we always know exactly what we're getting from Liz every single day, every single practice, every single match. And that consistency is really nice to rely on. You know, she's, uh, you know, she's an, I don't know if, if the spectrum is like Bella is a really, really vocal leader and really holds the standard well, you know, and kind of polices everyone, you know, Hey, we got to get better. We got to do this. And, She's really vocal. And Liz does that too. Not, not as much as Bella, but, um, you know, both of them are vocal in really important ways that kind of keep the team even keeled and just knowing what the standard should be. Um, and we appreciate that from them. And Bella is also like consistently Bella, like she's going to go a billion miles an hour all the time on defense. It's neat. Rebecca is more of like the quiet workhorse, you know, she's not, out there cheering and, you know, yelling, like you just, you don't hear her very much at all, but you see the results. She scores more points than anybody on the team and uh, is really important to us winning. Um, she's leading the, I think again, Taylor can help me with this. I think she's leading the SEC in points per match, you know, or points per set. It's like six a game. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, she's not in the lineup or not winning nearly as many games. Um, and Tatum, you know, the thing that she's contributed um, you know, but she's really, she's a competitor, but the thing that's really cool is she's totally out of position. She's never played middle blocker. And I don't remember exactly when we talked in August, but I don't think we had put her in the middle yet. Yeah. I probably would have mentioned that. Um, yeah, I think, I think that happened a, a little bit after we, um, we yeah. talked. Yeah. So that's pretty shocking to have her move to the middle and be the best blocker in the sec. That is not something that I was predicting in our last conversation. <laughs> we were not doing that. We were not talking about that. Um, so uh, just her ability to adapt to a new, new spot and not only, not only adapt, but thrive. I mean, she's really thriving defensively blocking and, and she's starting to put it together offensively, which is really a big deal. If she can continue even this week, um, you know, had some better swings against Georgia, but then in practice yesterday, I was looking at their coaches and I'm like, wow, she's starting to figure this out. And, you know, there's still a lot of room to grow there. And, um, you know, I think she'll look better as each match goes on. So the fact that she was just willing to like, yeah, like, yeah, we need to do this. I'll do it. Let's go. And then thrive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, with her moving positions, what has been the biggest advantage of having her there and why did you guys really want her there in the first place? And what were you guys hoping for from that? Uh, well, a little of it was necessity. You know, we didn't have a lot of players in that position on the roster. Um, and then we had an injury to somebody in the middle there too. And like, we need somebody else in here and, you know, who, who is a candidate. And I had kind of thought about it the year before actually, but we never really did it. Um, there wasn't quite the push to, put her in there to see as there was in August. Um, so there was a little of that, like, Hey, we were thin here. We got somebody hurt. Like who, who's available to do this. Let's try it out. And, uh, and then she just did better than we thought. And then some players came back that were hurt and it's like, she was already better than them. So, mm -hmm. um, and we were pretty deep at the uh, outside hitter position when we brought 
Rebecca in and Liz in and Cassidy Tanton's a new freshman and Val Green was there. And at the time, Lily Thomason was on the team. Um, so there's a whole lot of people at that spot. There's kind of a log jam. And uh, so, you know, there was a little bit. Was, so, yeah. And I guess in the, the final analysis was like, okay, who are the best six people regardless of position? We need them on the court. Let's build some kind of offense around it and see what we can do. And, and then that led us to this and it's been going well. So you really, you guys were just kind of wanting to put, you know, whoever was best on the court, no matter what the position was, I guess. And yeah. how did you, how did y'all kind of come to that conclusion? Uh, well, I mean, generally it's kind of a, you know, it's just a philosophy we have is, I mean, there are, there are specialty positions like setting. You can't just like throw somebody in and like go learn how to be a setter in a week. Like that doesn't work. Um, or turning a setter into something else is, is hard, but the other positions are not, I mean, you can get, you can get okay at the other ones if you have enough time. Um, and usually it's a little easier to get into the middle from the outside than the other way around. It's just the way that'd be a longer story where that's the case, but it is the case, but generally that's what we want anyway. It's like, who are the best people and let's build some offense around them instead of trying to force them into this preordained system. You know, I don't, I think, I don't know. That's just my view. I think the best coaches are the ones that are building their teams around their players instead of their players into the team. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you guys have come so far from last season. I mean, what, what do you think, how do you go from, the record that you guys had to what you guys have now and the consistency and, and that y'all are building, what's been the biggest factor um, for those improvements from last year to this year? Uh, I mean, there's a few, I mean, one is, you know, you, 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 there's been a big change in just the com composition of the team. So you've probably heard the phrase before, um, you know, you got to get the right people on the bus and then you got to get them in the right seats. All right. And, <laughs> That's, you know, one is who should be on your team and the other is what position they should play. So those are kind of the, the big giant questions that coaches have to face. And uh, so, you know, I think we got the right group together this year. Um, that's the first thing. And then it took us a little while and, you know, it would have been nice to have been training Tatum as an outside, as a middle last spring, but I think we got it right eventually. Uh, but then we got them in the right seats. And uh, so we solved the two problems, the two big ones right away. And then usually if you solve those two, then everything else um, starts moving really, really well. You know, if you got people arguing about what seats they should be in or if they should be in and out of the bus, then that is tough to do things like let's have, let's just get really better at volleyball in practice right now. You got disgruntled people or people aren't happy with their roles or whatever, but we don't have any issue with role clarity, you know, where they are on the bus, where they are on the team. Everybody's bought into what they're doing. And once you get that stuff in place and it's like, okay, now we can get good in practice, you know, and we just start working on skills and then it's just time and reps, time and reps, time and reps. And um, yeah, that's been kind of the ingredients, I think. And it's been going well. Like yeah, you said. So you're saying is a lot of it is just the cohesiveness of the group and everyone just kind of knowing their role and being in their role. Yeah. Once you get that in place and it becomes really easy for players to focus on skill development because they're not worried about, I should be out there or I shouldn't be, or I should be in this different position or I'm not. And they're, they're not thinking about how can I get better at serving or how can I get better at blocking, you know, cause they're dealing with bigger issues. Um, and there, there aren't issues like that on, in the group. And so they're improving at a rate that is 
that's good. You know, it's above average. I think the, um, the rate of improvement, we're for sure better right now than I thought we would be at the end of the season. We're ahead of where I thought we would be in terms of skill development. And I think that's why there's just not stress around what their roles are on the team. Yeah. And who would you say is your, if you had to pick one, um, your most improved player this season? Oh gosh. Um, there's so many new faces. So some of them, you know, I can't judge really from like Liz or Rebecca from different programs. Uh, uh, I can tell you that both of them are hitting significantly above their career averages with our teams. Um, you know, Liz, you know, the two matches against Georgia, she was, I think she hit like 400 for the weekend. You know, she's a career 160 hitter, I think, prior to this year. So that's a huge jump, you know, and uh, that's great. You know, we thought she was capable of that. Um, Rebecca, same deal. You know, she was like hitting 100, I think, last year in Maryland. And now she's, you know, anywhere between 200 and 350, depending on the weekend. Um, Bella has really changed. Her numbers are better, but she's somebody that we worked with for the last year. And it's not just that her numbers are better, like she has reworked her game. So this may make more sense if you're thinking about golf, you know, I don't know if you know much about golf, but golfers will like remake their swings, you know, they'll have like a golf code, like, let's like totally remake their technique. And uh, we, we've done that with Bella. And if you watch video of her receiving a serve, it just looks like a completely different than it did a year ago and um that's a lot of effort she has put into that and changing thing changing technique is really hard and it's very frustrating <laughs> you know <laughs> she's made a, she's made a ton of improvements so is jackie i mean it's hard to say about i mean tatum's in a totally new position and she's leading the league in blocking so it's like how do you not give it to her for most improved <laughs> you know i don't know there's a lot of people to point to yeah, and um, the last time we spoke, you said now is the time to buy stock in Auburn Volleyball. And yeah. it seems like a growing number of people are listening to that and coming out to the games and cheering these ladies on. And um, why why was it so important to you to communicate that message? And um, what does it mean now that you know students are showing up, fans are showing up and supporting you guys? Yeah, well, it means a lot. I think you should still be buying stock. We're still we're still undervalued. You know, you'll get a good deal <laughs> if you buy right now and get in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it means a ton that we, you know we're starting to get some fans out there and they're following, and you know we're seeing on social media and there's some chatter out there about Auburn volleyball starting to move in a good direction. And um, I'm sure we talked about this before, um, but this is just a place that I know if we're good, they're going to start and we start getting the word out more and more and they start understanding more about what volleyball looks like and high level volleyball, it's just going to get packed in there. You know, it is across the country and it's just a matter of time where I think we can do the same thing here. And um, I love that about Auburn and being in a college town that we can potentially just fill up Auburn arena. I mean, I'm really ambitious, Kristen, like we're, it needs to be looking like it does for basketball games. All right. That's where we want to go. And it does look like that at some places around the country and it is possible and uh, it'll be rocking in Auburn arena here soon. Sure. it will. <laughs> and uh, speaking <laughs> of the support, you know, you guys are heading to, um, or sorry, you guys are um, playing LSU on Friday and I yep. highly encourage our listeners to show up for that. But um, 
as you guys head up into that SEC matchup, what are you focusing on um, the most in, in practice this week? Uh, you know, our general stuff, you know, we're always trying to get better at our, at our basic fundamental skills. Volleyball is really dependent on just the basic skills, not, not, not even the systems or the strategies, but like, can you just pass a ball? Can you serve a ball? Can you hit a ball? And the teams that do that the, the best are the ones that win the most. Um, so we're always trying to get better at the fundamentals. But in particular with LSU, we, we are going to be overmatched from a physicality standpoint. They've got some players that are more physical than anyone in the SEC. Some of them are the most physical players in the country. Um, you know, players touching near 11 feet when they're running and jumping. So they're easily dunking a basketball with two hands, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, that they're going to be jumping over us in some situations. So um, we've got to be able to dig because they're going to hit over some blockers you know, and uh, even when they're serving, there's a few of them where it looks like this isn't a serve. It looks like an attack because they're so physical and they're so high and they're hitting down, you know, from the service line. So we're doing some stuff where we've got coaches standing on boxes at the service line. So we're up there kind of where that ball is and just zipping it down from the service line. So we can kind of replicate what we're going to see in matches, but LSU is, you know, the record does not indicate what they're capable of. What does indicate what they're capable of is they just swept Tennessee. And Tennessee is ninth in the country in the RPI. They're top 20 in the polls. Uh, I think they're one of the top two or three teams, maybe the best team in the SEC. And LSU crushed them the last time they played them, which was like four days ago. So LSU is figuring it out. And they looked way more physical than Tennessee. So um, we've got... We've got, we're going to have our hands full. It's going to be an awesome challenge. You know, that's the cool thing about volleyball is once you're in the ballpark of athleticism, um, you don't have to be more athletic, but you just have to be smarter and more skilled. And we're, we're kind of getting there, you know, where we're not going to, we don't need to jump over people to get kills. We can kind of place the ball around a little bit and uh, our, our outside hitters are getting really good at that. So hopefully we can just take another step forward against them. It'll be exciting. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime, Kristen. All right. We are back and in the studio with Noah Griffith. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a new segment this week, our Writer of the Week. And Noah, you are a Writer of the Week this week. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to start off in your article. You wrote an opinion article this week um, about just Auburn football and all of the different changes and shifts that have happened. And you talked about some of the differences between the way that Coach Harson is running things versus Malzahn. And what do yeah. you think are some of the biggest ones? So I think one thing that sticks out to me is um. I think Harson is much more comfortable um, giving younger guys a bigger role on the team um, and also having guys challenge other guys that maybe have started for a year or two already and having other guys step in and get some blank time. Especially with the Bonix situation, we've seen him start for since his freshman year. Um, he wasn't afraid to pull a string, but he's a Finley in and it paid off. Yeah, and um, you know, you did talk a lot about Bonix in your article, and um, 
you know, and yes, you just mentioned how he was pulled in the Georgia State game. And do you think that that willingness of Coach Harson to pull him and kind of do what he felt like Bo needed and give him that push is is part of that shift and that and that mindset change? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it's just it's a different strategy from what Gus brought to the table. Um, I think he's like more of a loyalist guy. Like he gets his guy and he sticks hmm. with him and wants to give him confidence. But Harson, it's not like he's not loyal to Bo. Bo's still a starter. He's still the guy. But also, he had to kind of be humbled. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, Just kind of give him the the push that he needed to sort right. of say, oh, I'm going to step up now. Yeah, right. Hmm. And then you also um, wrote a little bit about the impact of underclassmen. Um, talk about that a little bit. And, and who do you feel has really stood out um, that's an underclassman? Yeah. So there are a few guys that I've got significant blank time as freshman. One of those stars emerging is Drakwes Hunter, mm-hmm. running back. We saw him score the game when he touched on against LSU. We've seen him break up. He's actually the Auburn's leading roster in rushing yards as a freshman. Yeah, and surprising because everybody thought the Tank would be the one to have that stat, so that's really surprising. I mean, Tank has leads and carries. Mm-hmm. But Jarquez Hunter leads in yardage. So, I mean, that's a big feat as a true freshman. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I want to ask you, looking ahead to the Ole Miss game coming up this weekend, um, what do you think that Auburn has to do to win? And then I'm going to get a, your prediction after that. Okay. So Ole Miss has Matt Corral at quarterback. We all know that. He's a star. He's number two in the Heisman odds right now. Behind Bryce Young, you've got to get pressure on him. Mm-hmm. you got to. You can't let him in the pocket. You can't let him move around. He can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arms. He has talent around him. You've got to get pressure on him. All right. And um, do you think Auburn can pull this off? Win or lose prediction here? I think I can pull it off. I think I've got Auburn by six. All right. All right. Auburn by six it is. Okay, thank you so much, Noah, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, and also in the studio here we have Emily Porch. Um, She is coming on and she's going to be talking about softball. And they've got some um, fall ball going on right now. And, you know, softball season will be here before we know it. And in the meantime, we have fall ball to keep us entertained. So, Emily, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um... So you're going to give us all the details, right, on what you've been seeing. (laughs) Um, So you approached me about coming on and talking about softball, Mm -hmm. and you were really excited um, by what you've been seeing. What's got you so excited about this Auburn team? Um, Just so far, the pitchers from last year really, like Maddie Pinta and Shelby Lode, they look really good. They still look really good, and um, they looked really good last year. And also these underclassmen, the freshmen and the sophomores, um, they also look really good, and so I'm really excited about this upcoming class who has come in this year. They're, they have a lot of power coming into this season. Yeah, and as you've been um, covering and observing these games, who has been, if you had to pick one, um, the biggest standout to you? Um, so far, it's been probably Aubrey Lizenby, and 
she's been a catcher, and right now she's kind of been trading out with Aspen Godwin, who's a senior this year, and she's been catching pretty often as well. Her and, like, another freshman, Jessie Blaine, they've been switching out at catcher, um, but she's really impressed me behind home plate in just her leadership as well as only a freshman, and her bat's also been really great as well during this fall ball season. Yeah, and it seems like um, a lot of underclassmen were stealing the show mm-hmm. a little bit in some of these games. I mean, you had people like um, Rose Roach and Abby Smith and then um, Aubrey Lisenby and then Jesse Blaine, like you said, and then um, Briellis. Talk um, a little bit about them and what you saw from them and why you think they've been really coming up and standing out in these games. Um. So, first of all, I think what really stood out to me the most was their bats. Um, they hit very well as freshmen coming in. And, like, you know it's fall ball. It's, like, mostly practice games. Right. And you're not probably playing the biggest schools that you can find, but their bats are already impressing me so much. And then also, defensively, they were communicating very well. And, you know, coaches give them opportunities to go out there and start fall ball and just get a lot of reps. And it really seems to have been benefiting them a lot in both their communication as a team and them hitting as well. Yeah, so you're saying the communication Mm -hmm. has gotten a lot better. Yes, it it just seems already to be very natural, even though they're only freshmen, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's interesting. We always look at when, you know, you have freshmen and a lot of new people coming into a team. There's always that you know, transition period where they're trying to Mm -hmm. gel, they're trying to, you know, gain cohesion as a, Mm -hmm. as a team. Do you think that that's, um, going well? And do you, what are you seeing in that regard? Yes, I do think that's going very well. And one thing I am seeing back to Aubrey Lisenby is as a catcher, you are the captain of the field and you control a lot of what your teammates do. And you relay a bunch of information about hitters and all that type of things. And so she's already communicating with her pitchers and, you know, they're all older than her. They're all, um, it's like KK Dismukes is a junior, Samantha Yarbrough, she's a senior, and then you have the two sophomores in Maddie Penta and Shelby Lowe. Mm-hmm. So they're all older than her, but they already have such a good relationship and communication. And she's so encouraging towards them and towards everybody in the field that I feel like that communication is, is already there with the freshmen and the other sophomores as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, when is the next fall game going to be happening? Um, They just finished the fall ball season, actually. Um, They finished it out with their annual Dinner on the Plains or Dinner on the Diamond. And they had, you know, guest speakers and they just commenced the fall ball season. So they actually won't be playing again until the season starts. Oh, okay. As far as I know. And will they be, I guess, practicing throughout? Yes, they'll be practicing. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and listening. Um, We always appreciate it, and it's been a fun episode, so I appreciate you guys coming along with us. Um, Be back next week for another episode, and you've been listening to Page 8 Podcast, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsmen. I'm your host, Kristen Carr, and we will see you guys next week.